Good evening, Tucson Mountain Baptist Church. Very glad that each one of you are here. Let's bow for a, a brief prayer. Dear Lord, we just thank you, Lord, for each and every person that is here this evening and also those that uh, are or will be listening um, uh, on the Internet. Uh, Lord, we thank you so much for providing this place uh, to, for us to worship and to learn more of you and to uh, uh, just focus our hearts and minds upon you. And uh, Lord, we ask you to uh, uh, be with us as we uh, just give our hearts completely to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Beneath the cross of Jesus. Beneath the cross of Jesus, I fain would take my stand. The shadow of a mighty rock within a wearied land. A home within the wilderness, a rest upon the way. From the burning of the noontide heat And the burden of the day Upon that cross of Jesus Mine eye at times can see The very dying form of one Who suffered there for me and from my smitten heart with tears to wonders I confess the wonders of his glorious love and my unworthiness. I take, O cross, thy shadow for my abiding place. I ask no other sunshine than the sunshine of his face. Content to let the world go by, to know no gain nor loss. My sinful self, my only shame, my glory all. Yeah, hey, yeah, we're here, okay. We're here, and it's not like romper room, being all in our places with bright, shiny faces. Some of you remember that. All right. We are, once again, looking at how to live a stressless life, and this is part two of last week. And that very first thing we need to remember is Satan is defeated. That's the very first, very first villain. Satan is defeated. You know, the good news of everything we've talked about for 20-some weeks almost, 
in Revelation was Satan is defeated. We need to remember that. <coughs> the war against evil has been won, and every Jesus follower is on the winning side. And we need to cling to that and remember that. I'm, I, now, don't get mad at me, those of you are. I'm not much of a football fan, okay? But I know that when those football games are happening, they can be very intense when you're watching those football games. And people can get very, very invested in what they're watching, I guess is the best way to say it. So when you're watching those games, a lot of time they're like roller coasters, right? If your team is winning, yay, and if they're down, you're like, oh. Everything is intense during those times. But here's what I want you to think. When you watch a recording of a football game that you've already seen, and you know your favorite team has won, there's not as much intensity, is there? Because you already know the outcome. You already know who the winner is. And even if you see the other team up in the third quarter and they get to the last quarter and all of a sudden your team scores and wins the game, you know that's going to happen. It's the same way. We need to view what's happening with Christ the same way as those football games. We don't have to worry about what's happening. We don't have to worry about what Satan's doing to cause us more stress because we know who's going to win the game. We need to think about it that way. Knowing who wins should completely change our outcome. It should lower our stress level. It should make us easier to think about what's happening in the world we live in today and all the craziness that we see going on around us that sometimes just causes great consternation in our soul. We don't have to worry about that because we know in the end God is going to win. God is going to win. As Jesus followers, we have to remember that. But we also have to remember there's always going to be an ongoing battle. There's an ongoing war fighting around us, and we need to be very, very aware of that. And I talked to you last week about all, those, all the spiritual warfare that takes place, and many times we don't see it. But one of the things we wanted to remind you once again, the battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against what? Spiritual powers and darkness and entities in high places. It's, it's not amongst ourselves. So we need to remind ourselves of that. And we need to not worry about getting caught up in those kind of battles. It's very, very important. So God is going to win in the end. The devil may prowl around like a roaring lion, and he does. But remember, the lion of Judah has defeated him. And that's something we can take to the bank. Jesus has already won that war. We know who's going to end that ball game and who's going to win that ball game. Look at Revelation 20.10 for me. I can be sure of this because of 20.10. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire. And the brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are also, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. We don't have to worry about any of that. So we need to try to put that out of our mind. Now, no matter how viciously our enemy attacks us, he's not going to win. No matter how many stressors he throws on you and piles up, he's not going to win. So we shouldn't be afraid. And I know sometimes we become afraid 
because they can become overwhelming. But here's the thing we have to remember. We shouldn't stress about Satan. We shouldn't stress about any of his forces. Primarily, we should focus all our sight and all the things that we do on Jesus and on God. (coughs) Both of which will help bring us peace. Because you are not fighting for victory. You're fighting from victory. The victory's already won. The battle's already been fought. And we have to keep that in mind. So one of the first things we need to do and we need to start thinking about in this fight that we've been talking about in all the spiritual warfare is we need to set the agenda. We need to set our agenda. What do I mean by that? When you're faced with spiritual attack, you have to remember the first thing you must do, we talked about it last week, is you have to guard your heart because it's a precious gift of life. And most of this is on your outline. The second thing you have to do is you have to see the enemy for who he is and what he is. Remember, what did we say he was last week? He was a liar. He was a deceiver. Right? So we have to keep those things in mind. He's going to lie to us and deceive us to get us to buy into any falsehood that he can throw in front of us. And sometimes that falsehood is not just about people around us or things going on around us. It's about ourselves. So you have to be careful of that. Remember, remember, we're always in some kind of spiritual battle. <clears throat> because you're fighting the war from a position of victory, not for a position of victory, remember he's already won. So we have to keep our thought process set and set our own agenda for our own lives. In what way? We have to first guard our heart. We talked about that. What do I mean by set the agenda? I I mean it's actively seeking a watch over our heart. And we are taking control of our everyday life. Specifically and preemptively when it comes to thinking about the areas of temptation and negative influence. Temptation and negative influence. Because that's where Satan is going to creep in and really try to fight us. Okay? The whole text of tonight is based on Psalms basically 4.23 through 27. Or Proverbs Psalms. I'm looking right at it. It says Proverbs and I say Psalms. My brain is somewhere else. Sorry. Um, Watch over your heart with all diligence. For from it flow the springs of life. Rid yourself of a deceitful mouth. And keep devious speech far from you. Let your eyes look directly ahead. And let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. Watch the path of your feet and all your ways will be established. Do not turn to the right or to the left and turn your foot from evil. Who did we say when we started all this and we were looking at Proverbs initially, who did we say the Arthur was believed to be? Solomon. Solomon is talking to his son and he's giving instructions to his son not only on how to live a godly life, but how to live a good life and how to live a safe life and how to avoid the traps of Satan. And he's telling him these things so that he can help him reach maturity and reach adulthood in a way that he can honor God throughout all the things that he does. 
The entire chapter is a plea for his son to live well and be well. Solomon was warning his son about taking very seriously guarding his heart. Now think about this. He's explaining to him about three specific areas in, the, in these particular passages. He's talking about his ears, he's talking about his eyes, and he's talking about his feet. So the very first thing we're going to look at is verse 24 where it talks about his ears. Rid yourself of a deceitful mouth and keep devious speech far from you. A paraphrase of that might be, be careful what you say and be careful what you listen to or give attention to. And that's, is that easy to do today? Solomon, you have to think about Solomon and, and, and his son. Solomon's son and Solomon, they could talk face to face and they might overhear something else, but they wouldn't be bombarded with all the stuff we're bombarded with today. We have to carefully pay attention to, be careful what we consider, and be very careful to the kind of speech that you allow to influence us. It's very, very important you watch those things. Um, sometimes we can listen to things and it becomes a, a, a danger sign to our heart and we know that we need to step back or get away right away. But there's other times it can snake its way in and, and we don't catch it as quickly because it sounds right when it comes in, but it's not actually right. So we have to be careful. People can give us words that have a negative impact on us in ways that we don't always understand. If we allow them into our hearts, then that causes problems. There's two specific, specific examples listed right here. The first one is a deceitful mouth. A deceitful mouth. If someone is habitually talking to you with, that does not have integrity, then you need to be aware of that. Talk that points us towards any kind of disobedience or crooked lifestyle is not what we want to be paying attention to. But sometimes it sneaks up on us. Um, it's, it's interesting because someone visited the church today and they started letting out a, a line of explicits, foul language, and the person that was with me in the room said, hey, 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 we, we, don't, we don't talk like that here. And I was like, well, cool. I don't even have to mention it. <laughs> so, I mean, it was taken care of before it even, you know, got basically completed out of the guy's mouth. So it, it's interesting that people will, are starting to take some certain stances, and that's a good thing. If it doesn't line up with God's truth, then we should avoid it, like the plague. Um, we should refuse to listen to people's ideas and are things that are not true. Any idea or something that is not true that we can't substantiate through God's word or through the truth of God's word, we have to be careful of. Okay? Solomon says, rid yourself of such talk. We need to remember that. Obviously, that doesn't just mean we should not listen to those words. That means we should not speak those words either. It's a two-sided coin. It also means we intentionally distance ourselves from those who do talk that way. 
And sometimes that's hard because it might be a family member, it might be a friend, we don't know. But it also, the second example talks about devious speech. Now here's where it gets a little trickier. The word translated devious means foul, ruined, or unpleasant. Some of those practical examples we might think about today are basically the obscene language that I talked about a minute ago, dirty jokes, racial slurs, gossip, slander, things along those lines. So how do we, how do we redirect the conversation when those things are coming out? Sometimes all you can do is retreat. Do you remember when Joseph was trying to be seduced by Potiphar's wife? What did Joseph do? He ran. All right. Sometimes it's okay for us to run. It's okay for us to get away from that situation. We're going we're to talk about that in greater detail in a moment. But Solomon says you need to keep it far from you. That's what that verse says. So if we need to move our way selves away from it, then we need to do that. We need to be careful of what we listen to and what we allow to influence us. It, it's really hard, we talked about this, it's really hard to think about the things that we hear in our modern day world. If you, I had to go to the doctor today, and I'm sitting in the doctor's office, and there's two people over there, and they got their earbuds in, and they're listening to something. The other three people in the room had their phone, their face planted in their phone, and they were doing something on their phone. Now, I don't know if any of you have been to the doctor in the last two years, but they've taken all the magazines out. There's nothing in there to do, so you either got to bring something with you, and me, I forgot to bring a book. Of course, I only had to wait a few minutes, thank goodness. So that wasn't the issue. But I noticed that when I got there. I'm thinking, wow, these two people are listening to something. These three people are on their phones. And I looked at my phone. I'm going, I ain't got anything on my phone to do. <laughs> so I put it back in my pocket. And I'm sitting here, and I'm, 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 I'm just watching people go up and down the hallway and, you know, pass by. And it's like everybody's plugged into something. They're either watching something or listening to something. It's, it's, it's a different world. We have to think about that. Technology has bombarded us with all kinds of speech, including speech that's deceitful and deceivious and devious. <laughs> we live right now with a generation that has all this modern technology, and a lot of that modern technology is great, but sometimes it's also caused some problems. We're hearing more and more speech today than any other point in human history. Have you ever thought about that? We're bombarded with TV. We're bombarded with radio. We're bombarded with stuff on the Internet. We're bombarded with all these things that are talking to us all the time. We need to be careful what we listen to, and we need to guard our hearts because they can be harmful influences, not good influences. Look at what Philippians 4.8 says. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellent, and if anything worthy of praise, think about those things. So if you're going to set the agenda for what you listen to through your ears, like we're talking about here, 
This is a fantastic verse to use as a filter. And you can use it like this. Think of, it, think of all the stuff we think about and listen to each day. All those TV shows, your coworkers, your family members, your spouses, your friends, the music. I mean, it, it, there, was, there was something going on a TV screen in the doctor's office today, and it was like it, it, they were talking about medical stuff, and it's like, okay, some of that's beyond me. But there, all this stuff is going on around us, and we're constantly hearing it. Now, if, if we're listening intently, that's one thing. But if, if, if we're hearing it, some of it may soak in, and we don't want it to. So we have to be careful with that. So here's, here's how you can use this verse. You ask yourself, is this true? Is this honorable? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Is it commendable? Is it excellent? And is it worthy of praise? If it doesn't meet any of that criteria, then throw it out. Pretty simple test. But it's a way to sort of filter what we listen to. Okay? Because we always need to guard our heart from those things too. And we need to do that if we want to stress less life. But then we look at our eyes. We talk about our eyes. This gets a little stickier. Solomon continues in 425, and he says, he's talking to his son again. He says, let your eyes look directly ahead. Let your gaze, I want you to circle, highlight, or underline that word gaze. Let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. He's telling his son, guard your heart against wandering eyes. Now, here's the problem. Technology has brought us a lot of great tools. And most of us like better tools. Women like better tools for the things they do. Guys like better tools for the things they do. And technology has gave us some great tools. But they also gave us some tools that are very harmful for us. And in regard to technology, we have to think about these things. We now have, through that technology, we have incredible access to the information, to education, to entertainment, and much, much more. But here's the problem. If you think just about for the internet for a minute, okay? The internet's a great tool. It helps us keep track of things. It helps us build files. But it also can be very harmful to us. Think about the other tools that we have, cell phones, laptops, tablets, all these things that we look at cameras, video game systems, virtual reality now, all these things tie together. So they're great tools, but each of those wonderful tools can become very, very dangerous if we don't use them appropriately. And in the hands of the enemy, they're a weapon against us. Think about that for a few seconds. In regard to the internet, a famous psychologist recently said the age of the internet has been the greatest onslaught of the enemy against Christian men he has ever witnessed. And I put some statements in there. According to Barner Research Group, 68% of Christian men, 68% of Christian men view pornography. Did you hear what I said? <coughs> Regularly. Even amongst married couples, 55% of those men say they search for porn at least once a month. It's not just the men either. 
among women. 43% say they view or read pornography regularly. Now, think about this. Women, women's minds operate differently than men's. They can read some of these romance things and have the same stimulation a guy tan, can through his eyes. But it's the same problem. We have to remember that. This is a huge, huge problem. If this many Christians are into this, and this has become such a habit forming, don't you think that's a tool Satan's using against us? Don't you think that's a tool that he is using uh, very acutely and sharply, by the way, to cause discourse within the family and possibly cause his marriage to break up? And if he does that, See, I used to counsel three or four guys that had a problem with pornography. And I was always trying to convince them, look, you're, you're trading reality for a fantasy. And you need to not think about the fantasy as reality. You need to think about reality as reality. It, it's, it's, it's terrible. It's a huge, huge problem. We're allowing it I mean, to gain access to our hearts through this. And if he can get in there, he will. That doorway of our ears and our eyes can wreak havoc on the course of everybody's lives. It causes a lot of problems. And it's not just pornography, of course. There's a lot of other harmful things. Uh, I read a story a little while ago about a guy that was spending, uh, he, he worked, it was because of COVID, he was working at home and he was monitored by how long his computer was on, he was making clicks. Well, they figured out he could buy this little thing that automatically moved his mouse around and clicked every once in a while. And he's got another computer screen over here and he's watching porn all day long. While this other thing over here is working his computer and making it look like he's working. And it took him about 14, 15 months to figure out because it was repetitive. Apparently every Two or three months, it was making the same moves, and they're going, something's not right here. So they figured it out. But this guy was, was so caught up in this, most of his waking day was doing something he shouldn't be doing. Now, it didn't say he was a believer or not. I just read the article. <clears throat> the Internet has put more information and images in front of our eyes than ever before. And it's... Like I said, in some ways it's good, in a lot of ways it can become a curse. And we have to be careful. Jack. Even if we don't expect it and we're looking at something, you'll see something like that flash on every once in a while. Yeah. It's tough because we have to remember that it's not just us. There's another thing. There's some ways we have, there's four practical steps here that we can set the agenda for our eyes. The very first one is we should never allow teenagers or kids unsupervised access to the internet. That, that's, that's just like handing Satan a loaded gun and letting him point it at your kids or your grandkids. We are fortunate because our daughter with our grandkids, she limits the time they have on it and she's got blocks and all kinds of 
apps on there that they can't get into anywhere she doesn't want them to go. And all we have to do is make sure she puts it down when mom says to put it down when she visits us. <coughs> it's terrible because culture's telling them a different story. Our kids and our grandkids are being influenced by this every day. Sally, there's a lot of kids and teens that don't have anyone that restricts their limitation. Think about this. You know, if a recent study of roughly 9 out of 10 teenagers go online multiple times a day. Multiple times a day. 45% of all those that were surveyed said they were on the internet most of the time. With cell phones and the tablets, handheld computers, they can be on it 24-7 if somebody doesn't cut them off. According to Pew Research, 64% of young teens, young people between the ages of 13 and 24, actively seek pornography weekly or more often. What an influence. A huge percentage of Christian and unchristian kids, youth, are allowing Satan to get a foothold in their heart through their eyes. And we can already see the consequences. Neha Chandrandre, a child and adolescent uh, psychiatrist in Massachusetts General Hospital who works at Harvard Medical, recently said, teen social media use has been thought now to correlate with depression, anxiety, worsening self-esteem, and severe bouts of loneliness. That's a tough statement. We need checks and balances for our kids and our grandkids. The reality is, until they're mature enough to understand what they're looking at and really understand the, the, the effect and influence it's having on them, we have to monitor for them. We need to be willing to step up and do that. Second, we should always have filters for our content and devices. And when anyone is in your household on the internet, um, I remember we, we had somebody that was visiting us and they asked if they could use the internet and I said, yeah. And then in the middle of it, I realized, okay, I, I gotta change something real quick to make sure they can't get anywhere I don't want them to go. And it's, it's important that they understand that there's limitations. If somebody's visiting your house and they want your internet access, um, that's why we have a guest account here at the church because I don't want anybody else knowing anybody else's stuff that is on church computers. So that's segmented and partitioned so that they can't get at anything. Here's the thing, when you're talking about those filters, I'm not just talking about kids or guests, I'm talking about you and me, too. We need those. It's not just about pornography, it's about setting an agenda to close off those points of access where the enemy can get a foothold and where we can take time. Have you ever been just looking up something online and all of a sudden you're doing something and you're scrolling along and you're looking at something else and all of a sudden you're going, oh, Oh, where'd that hour go? Yeah, see? We get caught off guard because, because we're not really thinking through where we're going or what we're doing. 
and it just wastes our time. You have to be careful. Um, from too much time on the phone to too much time on the internet, um, to scrolling through different apps and different feeds and screens, you have to be careful. The third way you can set an agenda for what you see is establish accountability with people you can trust. Solomon said this in Ecclesiastes in chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. He said, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. For if either of them falls, the one will lift up his companion. But woe to the one who falls when there is not another to lift him up. What does that have to do with this? That's accountability. We have to allow ourselves to be accountable to somebody else that if we start slipping away and going the wrong direction, they can help us out. Now, you need at least one person, I suggest two or three. I've got one person that knows every password to every device to everything I have, and that's my wife. She can go in and monitor anything and see anything I look at or where I go on my phone or my computer screens. And that's because I've given accountability of myself to her. But we need, as men, as men, we really need to do that with our wives. Because that is how they're going to feel comfortable and make sure and help us stay accountable. Every password. She can get into everything I can. And she tells me she has a credit card and she knows how to use it. That's the one that scares me. <laughs> Finally, the last step of getting a watch over your heart in regard to the things we can see. If you're already in trouble in this area, seek help. Don't try to get over it yourself. Don't try to get past it yourself. Don't try to beat it yourself. Because it probably won't work anyway. It just won't work. No weapon we can wield will disrupt the plans of the adversary if he's already got a foothold in our heart and our eyes. You need some help. So find a trusted friend and share that information with, have them pray for you, become accountable to them, and work and allow them to help you with that. Okay? Listen, here's the truth. Sin thrives in the dark and the shadows, in the secret. When you open the window and let God's light in, and you come to a sense of true repentance, then he will help heal those wounds and heal that heart. Okay? And it also removes Satan's power over us. The psalmist says in Psalm 101, 2 and 3, I will walk within my house in the integrity of my heart. He's saying, have integrity in your heart and use it wisely. I will set no worthless thing before my eyes. It's a great verse to cling to. And in regard to feet, the last thing, Solomon's pleading with his son. He says, keep watch over your heart by setting those limits on what you listen to. He says, son, watch what you, uh, watch what you see. And finally, he says, be careful where you go. And he tells him that. He says in 26 and 27, he says, watch the path of your feet and all the ways, all your ways will be established. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Turn your foot from evil. There's places where we as followers of Jesus do not belong. 
And I say that because there's times when if you're a newer believer or if you've recommitted your life any time in the last year, year and a half, there's going to be people that are going to come your way and they're going to try to influence you to go places you used to go and do things you used to do that you should not do. There's just no nice way to say that. Um, I'm willing to guess you know exactly where those places are for you in particular. People often put themselves in compromising positions and then try to avoid the temptation that they're being led into. Now stick with me for just a minute. They get close to the edge of the cliff and then they try to take the stand from the edge of the cliff. That's not the place to do it. You have to decide before you get to the edge that you're not going to the edge. The greatest way to avoid temptation is to avoid the situation that causes the temptation. Pretty simple statement, but it's very, very true. When I stopped drinking and drugging, within just weeks, I had a group of guys that wanted me to go to a strip club and the bar with them and all these other places. And I said, guys, I can't do that. And you know I can't do that. Seven, eight years later, one of those guys called me from a bar. He was in bad shape. He said, I need to talk to somebody and I can't talk to those other guys. Okay, seven or eight years later, I was spiritually stronger and had better understanding of what I could do and what I couldn't do. And I went and got him out of the bar and we sat in his car. But I didn't want to stay in the bar anymore. I didn't even want to go to the bar, but because he asked, I went and got him. Because he knew that I had changed and he wondered if he could change. Those are the type of things that you have to know your limitations. And you have to watch where your feet take you. It's, it's absolutely necessary. Solomon says, watch the path of your feet. Turn your foot from evil. Listen, you have to set your agenda, not allowing your feet to take you places you know you shouldn't go. It's pretty simple and straightforward. So how do you limit all these stressors in your life that we talked about in regard to Satan attacking you and the spiritual warfare we're in? To keep watch over your heart, Guard the real you. Guard your soul. Guard your heart. Guard your mind. And understand that the enemy is constantly after you. Now that doesn't mean he's behind every bush or behind every closed door. But there is spiritual warfare taking place. Establish boundaries for what you listen to, what you look at, and where you go. That's the best way to combat those type of attacks. <coughs> Questions, thoughts? You're going you're gonna to give a sermon? Can I sit down? Oh. oh. I thought you were getting up to take over. Go ahead.
Yeah. another person and tells them thank you that you're on a pornography place and they'll yeah. call you immediately yeah so there are ways of uh, at least through technology yep to have someone accountable to yeah and that was what was saving them huh yeah. <laughs> again technology but being used in a good way to stop right. the bad part of technology right right so it, it does work. And yeah, there, the, there are apps out there that'll do that. Yeah. Now, men tend to have the men vision. It goes in their brain and sucks it right in. Yeah. And it stays there. It doesn't go away. For women, it's not so bad. But for men, it does that. And I've known many couples that have fought with it. Husband used to hide it up in the, um, the drop ceiling tiles in the basement. <laughs> and she'd walk by and she said, I kept feeling something evil. And she said, I just happened to push up on it, and all this pornography fell down oh, the goodness. ceiling. So, you know, and this was a good Christian guy and a, a Christian family, but yeah, yeah, you're right. It does happen it's, in it's, Christians. It's like a leech Yes, is the best way I can describe it, because that's how I described it with some of the guys I worked with that, that struggled with that. Mm-hmm. It's like a leech that will suck the blood right out of you and don't pay attention to what's going on. Yeah. Um, Jack. that uh, I like these Western books and mm-hmm. this was all about the West and it wasn't uh, the one that I've already read a hundred of you know it was a different setup but anyway when I, I, I bought the books and I took them out and put them in my golf cart and as I walked out uh, the scale said here's you bought all these books here we'll give you these two and they had packages of magazines already packed up and plastic and everything and so I just took it and never paid. I went out to the golf cart turned it over and it was penthouse oh. she had it was a, a fellow that they were selling the house for it wasn't her yeah. but apparently she must have had 10 years of penthouse magazines and she wrapped them in packages like that and turned them upside down and gave them to people and i took mine she was back. just trying to get rid of yeah, them yeah but i mean you know that's just i would have thrown them all away yeah that's the best place for them, them unfortunately Yeah, yeah. And, it, and it's tough because here's the thing I want to tell you guys. And I, I know it probably came up on the screen and I passed it up. You know, there's, there's a big difference between a gaze and a glance. You know, a, a gaze is momentary. Or a glance is momentary, excuse me. A glance is momentary. But a gaze, you take time and you think about it. You look at it admiringly. And as men, we really have to be careful about that. Because you can see a very attractive woman in a very provocative clothing, and that'll catch your eye, right? Um, Any male that is a male, (laughs) I'll say that for today's society situation, um, is is probably going to glance at that at the very least. But then once you glance, you need to turn away. You don't need to concentrate on it. That's what gets us in trouble. I had a friend tell me one time, the first time you look is okay, but the second time, then you're in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> and that's true. Yeah, 
Yeah, if you stay too long. Anyone else? Questions, comments, thoughts? Artificial intelligence. Yeah. Thank you, Rafi. Uh, we need to, as believers, be very aware of what's what's coming. <coughs> yeah. Now. And a lot of people have not a clue what's getting ready to come around the corner on them. And they're gonna. It's gonna take a lot of people, a lot of believers, a lot. You know, quote unquote. It's amazing to me that some of the biggest developers, some of the things I've read recently, of the original AI are trying to get that stuff shut down any further than it already is. Because now they're making all these robots, and I don't know if you guys are paying attention to the technology, but they're making the robots, they're making robotic dogs, they're making robotic people, they're making sex bots, they're making all these kinds of things, and it's like, whoa. And, and Japan and China are two of the biggest ones that are really developing these robots that look and talk and act just like people. They're already using them in some of the restaurants and some of the hotels. It's, I mean, it's interesting, but it's scary. Very, very scary. Okay, we have about 10 minutes for praise and prayer. Bill? The, 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 the mic's coming, buddy. I got a praise. Um, I got a, out of the hospital last week. Many of you knew. I went in there AFib. They shot me. I got rhythm now, which is okay. <laughs> but I want to just thank the prayer chain that we use to get the word out. It's such a blessing. And I just want to thank this church so much for setting that up so people can get the prayer out in times of need and praises, whatever it may be. Yeah. But also, Lord, just uh, I want to just pray for um, an unanswered prayer that came to me just literally moments ago, and I just want to take mm -hmm. some time for that. Dear Father, I just want to thank you for how you always are with us in whatever we do. And sometimes, Lord, these answers come to us we haven't even thought about, but yet you do provide the answers for us. And it just just overwhelms me at times how this happens in my life that these answers come just and i just want to praise you and just thank you for that and just this church lord uh and also thank the men's prayer group on monday nights it's just a blessing lord to see the men of god coming together and working together to help others to bring glory and honor to our lord jesus christ amen All the way up here, Ralph. You're going to get your exercise tonight, I think, buddy. Uh, I just want to thank the... Is this, is this on? I don't think so. Techno technology. Technology, <laughs> yeah. I just want to thank the Lord that uh, Ben had uh, his surgery went well today. Okay. And uh, we had a real good day, uh, time today. And... Uh, uh, on the way there, uh, we told some jokes, had a good time. On the way back, mostly had real good, serious conversation. And, um, you know, um, it's really good when we can have this camaraderie. You know, I mean, it's wonderful in church, but 
outside of church when we're doing things together, whether it's a doctor appointment or whatever it might be. It's really, um, you know, it help, helps us draw closer together yeah, as absolutely. brothers uh, or sisters, whatever, you know. Um, but anyway, just really thankful that that went well. And then I also want to thank the Lord uh, for these new red, red hymnals that uh, Paul ordered. And uh, because there there are more, uh, there are more. Yeah, uh, he had to twist my arm twice to get those uh, songs in there. And there's also some contemporary, which we're gonna oh, nice. we're gonna do <laughs> in just. Uh, Robbie's a going praise minutes. God. <laughs> so, anyway. All right. Good. Good. I'm glad Ben's surgery went well. I was gonna ask about that. Anyone else? Has you guys all prayed up? We actually got a text. We actually got a text from uh, Anne Marie Rock. Anna Marie, yeah. Yeah, uh, that she wants she wants pr prayer for her brother Sal, and uh, and for her godmother. Do you know I don't any have specifics any other, other details, than that? No. Okay. Sorry about that. Mm. Just uh, well, I do know that in the past, uh, Sal uh, is uh, bed bedridden and in lots of pain. Oh, health issues, perhaps. Because she, she had asked for prayer back prayer. in February for that. Okay. Um, but that's uh, that's all I know. W would you <laughs> would you word that prayer for us? Yeah. While yeah. You got it? Our dear Heavenly Father, we, uh, we just come before your throne of grace again, Lord, and we just pray that you would be, uh, be with Anna Marie, Anne Marie and uh, her, bro her brother Sal and her godmother. Uh, Lord, you know the situation, uh, whatever physical things are going on or uh, whatever, whatever the situations are, Lord, uh, you, you can be there. And we just pray that your, your, uh, your spirit would be among that family, and uh, yes. just uh, pray that you would uh, be blessing them. And uh, we just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Anyone else? Praise or prayer requests? Guys are awful quiet. Are we thinking deeply? All right, well, let me do this. Let me go ahead and say a, a, a just a sort of a blanket prayer, and then we'll have our closing song, and you can close us in a closing prayer, okay? Father, I know in a group this size, when, when we talk about temptations in life and the things we struggle with personally, sometimes it, 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 it stirs up different emotions in each one of us maybe it's not us that are caught up in some of these traps and deceitful ways of satan M maybe it's a family member or a spouse and and we struggle with knowing that but father i pray that you would just uh, take each one of these unanswered prayers that people may be thinking tonight and your word tells us that when we don't know how to pray or or maybe we're not willing to share some of that information but when, when we don't know how to pray, 
that the Holy Spirit will pray for us in groanings that even we may not understand. And Father, I pray that as, as individuals leave this place tonight and perhaps think about these things and take these things to heart and, and accept the challenges or maybe share some of these ways with those that are struggling, whether it be with our ears or eyes or their feet, going in the wrong places, seeing the wrong things or listening to the wrong things, that you would just help, help us help them if need be. And Father, if we're struggling with any of those things personally, I pray that you'd heal us and remove those things from us and make us whole and complete. Those that are here tonight, I believe, genuinely want to become more and more like you or else they wouldn't take this time and, and, and come in. And those that are perhaps watching online or listening, Lord, we just pray that you would help each one of us become the type of Christian you want us to be. Help us be strong and help us be secure and assured of who we are in you. Now, Father, as we leave this place, I pray that you'd watch over each one of us and give us your protection until we can meet again. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome God. And this is uh, just the chorus. And uh, we're going to sing it three times. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power, and love. Our God is an awesome God. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power, and love. Our God is an awesome God. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power, and love. Our God is an awesome God. Dear Lord, we thank you for this special evening. We do acknowledge you as our awesome God. And Lord, we just uh, thank you that uh, we've been able to meet uh, around the purity, uh, the truth of your word. Lord, help us to apply it to our lives. And... Um, Lord, help us to be the, the miracle that you want us to be, that you foreordained us to be. And we just give you all the praise and glory. And again, thank you for each person that is here. And Lord, may we, may we truly show that we are Christians by our love. In Jesus' name, amen. Some glad morning when this life is o'er